GM. I'm Dan Roberts. I'm Stacy Elliott. And this is GM from Decrypt. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. GM, welcome back. Stacey Elliott, what's up? GM, Dan. Uh, not much. I, well, actually, what's up is is Bitcoin. <laughs> That's right. Well, it's been like a funky start to the year because the coins have done well, even while we also report mostly bad news when it comes to crypto companies. You know, more layoffs, more cuts, and Gemini Genesis. That drama continues, but uh, the crypto markets have been positive. Yeah, for sure. It, it's we're kind of in that weird period where even though you know prices are going up. Like the sentiment is just lagging behind. It feels like everyone still mentally is just stuck in November, December. But we're going to talk to Kristen Smith today about what, what's coming up next. Yeah, uh, you're right about sentiment. And she's the perfect guest to ask because um, I know she won't sugarcoat and just say, well, no, things are still continuing and have great momentum. Um, there is no doubt that the SAM and FTX saga has really hurt crypto's case in D.C., and it would have anyway if any big crypto company had collapsed like this. But specifically, I mean, this was Mr. Washington. I mean, uh, you know, and this isn't like a gotcha thing. Kristen will remember this. But when I spoke to her at the FTX Bahamas conference as recently as last April, uh, we sat down for breakfast together and she was saying, no one individual has uh, been more of an advocate in D.C. for the industry than Sam. Yikes. Now. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know anyone who wouldn't have said the same thing back then. I mean, I've looked at they maintained a, like a whole policy page on their website. And he personally wrote a lot of those thousands of words long pieces on here's how I think we should regulate this. Here's the kind of rules we should have around this. And so, you know, for for such a nascent industry that is just now starting to engage with lawmakers, you know, you, at least while he was involved, you're at least happy that somebody's bringing something to the table and showing up and wanting to talk. But yeah, things are, things are very different now to say the least. Man, he, he was so kind of pro regulation and pro talking to and dealing with the regulators that even before the company collapsed and all the, you know, alleged fraud came out, the, kind of DeFi degens had turned on him. Um, mm -hmm. You know, in the fall, they started to get angry because it was like, you're a suit. And, you know, he was saying, share customer info, KYC, AML. And that's the split that has always fascinated me in crypto, the split between the OG purists who want everyone else to stay away. And they, they truly believe, you know, decentralize all the things. And then the centralized companies, which you know, sorry, it's a little secret, not secret about the industry, but much of crypto is not decentralized. It is centralized. And those companies are going to continue to exist. But I know that's something that Kristen and Blockchain Association uh, have to navigate, catering to all parts of crypto. Yeah, it's it's interesting because we always see it, you know, from where we're sitting, you know, covering the industry and, you know, kind of outside the bubble that is Washington. But 
you know, I'd be interested to hear how she thinks lawmakers see the industry because, you know, we, we think about it as these two very separate houses that, you know, kind of don't always agree with each other or get along. But it'll be interesting to see if, you know, lawmakers understand that about the industry. Yeah. It's like narrator. They won't. Yeah. <laughs> they don't currently. But uh, yeah, that's a that's quite a battle to try and educate uh, crypto skeptic politicians. But Kristen is doing it. So let's bring her on. Okay, Kristen Smith from the Blockchain Association, GM. Welcome. GM, Dan. Hey, Stacy. Hey, good to see you again. Thanks for joining us. Uh, let's start off this way. You know, we've been asking all our recent guests about some of the storm and negativity from the end of last year. But with you, let's just start fresh. Let's focus <laughs> on the positive here. It's 2023. We will definitely yeah. get into everything that happened last year. We've got a new year. Uh, what are you excited about in terms of progress in DC and the areas you're focused on? What's coming down the pipe that is encouraging for the industry? Yeah, I'm actually really excited about the House Financial Services Committee. We've got Patrick McHenry, who's in charge of that, and he created for the very first time a digital assets subcommittee that's going to focus exclusively on crypto policy. And if you look at the members of that subcommittee, it's a pretty good list of members. So um, you know, we got some problems in other places, but if we're focusing on the bright spots, I would say that's a bright spot right now. And just as a quick follow-up, you know, Stacy and I, at the beginning of the year, we recorded our 2023 predictions episode. And uh, I said that it seems to me, and of course, I guess we could have said this every year in the past, because every year there's a little more progress made, but there's more possibility than ever before of an actual uh, crypto law and getting one on the books. I mean, maybe not this calendar year, but... Do you think we'll see something there? I know there are multiple bills you've been tracking. Could we see something yeah. actually go from you know theory into practice? Um, I don't think this is the year for that. I think that we're going to see a lot of. I know, I know. Well, it depends on <laughs> depends on which what your perspective is. Um, I, I think we're going to see a lot of really good proposals uh, that are put forth that are uh, very thoughtful. Um, I also think we're going to see a lot of terrible legislative proposals put forth. Um, I think we'll see Senator Warren reintroduce her bill. I think we'll see, um, you know, some others uh, who are pretty strong crypto skeptics put forth legislation that if it were to be enacted would, would be very detrimental. I don't think those are going to go anywhere, but I think the fact that we have such a divide in Congress, even though we have a really good, strong group of of uh, champions that are thoughtful and have good ideas. Just the fact that we have all of these um, uh, sort of negative voices that have entered as a result of the events of last year, I think I think that's actually going to slow us down a little bit. And so I don't think we're going to see anything signed into law this year. Um, I could be wrong. Stranger things have happened. There could be events that change that. Um, but as of now, I think I think we're going to have a longer process on our hands. Yeah. And then I wanted to just kind of jump in and kind of, I guess, do some level setting about how this all works. Because I think when we're thinking about crypto legislation, like some of the bills from last year are fresh in everyone's minds. But all of those are, I guess, basically, they they don't matter. Like, it's not that they don't yeah. matter anymore, but rather <laughs> they'd have to be reintroduced for them to even do anything this year. And you were kind of alluding to that a bit just now, um, talking about Senator Warren. She would have to reintroduce her bill in order for that to really go anywhere this year. So we, we literally are starting with a clean slate. 
Yeah, no, it's and, and the reason they do that is because obviously every two years you have an election and you have some new people who join. And so, yeah, they clean the slate in terms of bills that have been introduced. Now, obviously, as I was I was a staffer, I worked on the Hill for 10 years. One of the easiest things you can do is be like, hey, boss, let's reintroduce that bill from last year, because all you have to do is like cross out like 2021 and put 2022 on there and uh, mm-hmm. drop it in the hopper. And all of a sudden, you've got a nice little press release that you've inter- reintroduced this bill and you plan to work on it in the new Congress. Um, so it's fairly easy for these things to get reintroduced. Um, you know, the hope is that for some of the bills out there uh, that we've seen that, you know, different uh, members of the industry and other stakeholders have provided feedback on, the hope is that maybe they make some changes or some tweaks from the previous year. But yeah, for something like Senator um, Elizabeth Warren's bill, like I imagine that would just be a, a crossing out the date and, and reintroducing that. But, you know, the same political forces apply, like you have to to get a bill to be signed by the president, it has to be the exact same language has to be approved by the full House and the full Senate. And that means at the end of the day, there's multiple committees involved. But really what you have to think about is you have Sherrod Brown, who is the very crypto skeptical chairman of the Senate Banking Committee. And you have Patrick McHenry, who, um, you know, wants to see regulation, but he also cares very much about innovation. He's the chairman of the House Financial Services Committee. I think the big question is, what can those two agree on? And, you know, there's going to be some things that Sherrod Brown wants that will be intolerable to Patrick McHenry and vice versa. And so I think until, you know, until they work through some of those issues, we're going to probably be at a stalemate in terms of getting something signed into law. But we'll certainly see a lot of activity um, that will lay the groundwork for future, um, you know, either you know next year or or future Congresses. So, what are some of the bills that you're hoping, I guess, will get a little bit of a rewrite before they are introduced? You know, it, it's. Um... <laughs> Great question. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if you could rewrite Elizabeth Warren's bill uh, in a way that would be be helpful for crypto. Um, you know, I think one bill that got a lot of attention um, that that you know we had a lot of suggestions on this past fall was the Digital Commodity Consumer Protection Act. There are pieces of that bill that are actually you know very reasonable, and if you take some of the core principles that are outlined in the the legislation and apply those to centralized spot crypto markets, like some of that actually makes a lot of sense and would be um, quite good. So if if the DeFi language um, uh, that's in that legislation were, you know, decoupled from the centralized exchange, like that, that would actually be a pretty um, you know, sort of thoughtful piece of legislation. So, you know, whether or not uh, the committee is going to do that, I think remains to be seen. Um, but, you know, I think you know, the Lemus Gillibrand bill has um, some potential. There's always, you know, you know, tweaks and changes we would want to see, but there's, you know, some decent language there. Similarly, the Digital Commodity Exchange Act, I think that's a workable piece mm-hmm. of legislation. But I think what we're going to see is, um, you know, Patrick McHenry and Sherrod Brown are going to come to the table with their own proposals and that that's really going to be the the focus point for, um, you know, for any legislation that that moves forward. So um, I think we're going to see some some fresh ideas in the mix. Some we like and some we don't like. Do you get the sense, Kristen, that 
this stuff is really high priority for any of these folks? Or if it is, is it for negative reasons because of what happened at the end of last year and it's brought it back to the fore? So, so you know, in, in some ways you worry that it's the skeptics who are more motivated than the advocates. Yeah, we, you know, prior, you know, a year ago at this time, we we were working on growing the bipartisan group of champions in Washington. And there was a lot of interest and a lot of enthusiasm around crypto. And any member of Congress that wanted to act on crypto was doing so because they saw its potential and wanted to provide the right framework. As you just mentioned, Dan, it's um, we're dealing with the mess of last year. Um, you know, this is this is the the, this, this is the result of the collapse of FTX, of, you know, alleged fraud of Sam Bankman-Fried. We are now picking up the pieces, um, all of the industry, right, just at the Blockchain Association and otherwise. We There's a giant mess to be cleaned up and there are new voices. Um, you know, for example, Senator Marshall on the Senate Banking Committee, a Republican member, he wants to take a pause on old crypto, whatever that, that means. Um, you know, he didn't care at all about crypto before. But, you know, when you open up the Wall Street Journal or the New York Times every day and the top five stories are about this massive fraud, um, you've got a lot of policymakers that are, you know, coming to at it with the the wrong type of information about this ecosystem. I mean, obviously what happened with FTX was like terrible and like, we don't want to create that, but they're missing the other side of the story where, you know, the the power of decentralized technologies, what this can do for financial services, what this can do for building a new internet. And so a lot of what we need to do as an industry is go in and tell these good stories so that we can get them thinking about how, not how to pass legislation to stop crypto, but how to pass legislation to to address the risks, particularly when centralized entities that could harm consumers in a way that allows the ecosystem to thrive. So we've got a lot of work to do. So from my perspective, if we have more debate and discussion and opportunities to educate and sort of slow down the legislative process a little bit, I think that um, we're ultimately going to get some better policy. The only exception I would say um, within the policy sort of list of issues is stablecoin legislation. I think that um, Maxine Mm. Waters, um, who's now the ranking member of House Financial Services Committee, and Patrick McHenry did a lot of work on that issue last year. And if they wanted to, they probably could pick up on those negotiations and and move pretty quickly because I think that that's in a much you know more developed place than some of the issues around you know spot market regulation or you know quote unquote market structure, which is kind of the new buzzword in Washington for legislation these days. It, it, it's so hard uh, to kind of try to dispel the misconceptions. I mean, in your case, that's your job. You're kind of fighting the good fight. But you know, in my experience, <laughs> even when I'm just trying to explain to friends. I find that I can't even try to explain without it sounding like I'm a raving, you know, defender and and I'm trying to justify what happened at this one company. You know, I explained to people, you know, FTX wasn't the entire crypto industry. It was this one company. And um, I also try and say, you know, the the crimes that Sam is being charged with are not special crypto crimes. You know, it's general financial fraud. It just happens to have been a crypto company. Um, All that being said, I mean, you know, I I always see you on the conference circuit. We always run into each other. and, And one place where we both saw each other was that FTX Bahamas conference. Mm-hmm. And looking back on it, it's like quite a moment, you know, and, and uh, we <laughs> yeah. were talking about all of Sam's DC trips and you were saying he was such an advocate for the industry. I mean, now the great irony is how much damage has he kind of 
personally done, do you think, to set things back, really because he had made such strides with so many lawmakers? Yeah, no, he um, he did a tremendous amount of damage. Um, and yeah, you're right. It's absolutely unusual. So I do always like to point out FTX was never a member of Blockchain Association. We have our 100 companies that, um, you know, are doing their best to uh, not defraud their their customers if they have them. So um, <laughs> we're, we're like to think we had a different approach. Um, but no, I, I think, you know, Sam testified before Congress multiple times. He had incredibly detailed proposals at the CFTC uh, and also legislatively that he was working on. He was spending a tremendous amount of time walking the halls of Congress, uh, meeting with members, meeting with leadership, meeting um, with, uh, you know, staff. He would take them out for drinks. You you know, he was uh, for, I've I've never seen in my, you know, 20 plus year career in Washington, an executive spend this much time personally lobbying Capitol Hill. You know, typically you have a team of people that you, you know, you have a government relations office that handles this, but he was personally involved at a level I've never seen. Obviously the political giving of spending 40 plus million dollars on campaign contributions directly to candidates and to super PACs. Uh, It's also part of the charges he's facing is whether or not there were violations there. Um, You know, this is something that is really, really touched um, a lot of the policymakers on Capitol Hill and at the regulatory agencies personally. And they feel a tremendous, you know, sort of sense of betrayal because, you know, they were all, um, you know, kind of, you know, thought he was so thoughtful and appreciated his thoughts on, you know, regulation. And um, I mean, quite frankly, from my perspective, it was making our job very difficult because, uh, you know, we had some disagreements in terms of the strategy that he was pushing forward. It was very much like an FTX specific strategy as opposed to a crypto wide strategy. And, you know, Blockchain Association, we represent multiple crypto companies. So we care about what we think is the um, industry perspective. And obviously they're FTX, so they care about the FTX perspective. But we had a lot of um, uh, sort of tense conversations and um, discussions around, um, you know, what the right move was. And so, um, you know, from my perspective, having them off out of the game is in in some ways helpful because we can kind of go back to, um, you know, talking about building the new internet and solving for financial inclusion and doing all the things that we want crypto to do. Whereas Sam had a very different level of conversation, but, um, but yeah, members, uh, there's some that have shied away and don't want to talk about it. There are new people that show up and it's all they want to talk about. So it's really, really upended um, the relationship map uh, when we're looking at Congress right now. But we're here. Our team is here. Uh, other companies are working in, in Washington and we'll get through this. But yeah, this is not the, the year I would have predicted uh, that we would be having uh, even six months ago. I wanted to ask about, I guess, the rules of the road for any other executives that would want to get involved or start showing up in D.C. And perhaps the the guidance is not to just show up in D.C. like <laughs> Sam did. No. But, I mean, you know, it's, it's not, generally like a yeah. feature, not a bug, but this is, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I would say but, if you're committing, if you're you stealing know, your I, customer's money and, uh, you know, gambling yeah. with it, do not show up in DC. But if you're really trying to build a business yes. and solve real world problems, please do show up in DC. <laughs> yeah. Um, what, and I guess just, you know, the industry is so new and 
for them to want to get engaged on the discussions that are being had around potential regulation are, you know, it, it's good that they want to get involved, but I think it get the sense that a lot of them don't know how to or the right way to. And then I think we even talked with, um, uh, who was it? Commissioner Purse. And, you know, we kind of put the question to her that, you know, she is frequently saying the people who are advocates or at least open to talking about crypto are always saying, you know, call us, our door is open. And people are saying, yeah. well, what phone number do we use? What door do we go through? Right. So, so I'm looking for insight from you. Like what, if a company wants to get involved, wants to do something, start a conversation in DC, what is the right way to go about it? So they don't, you know, wind up stepping on the toes of the blockchain association or other, you know, lobbyist groups. Yeah. Well, I think, um, I think the important thing to realize, and this isn't like a selfish blockchain association point of view, but I think this is just general good, Mm -hmm. good advice. You know, the crypto industry, like if if you're looking at members of Congress, they don't see Coinbase and Kraken and FTX and, you know, Ledger and, you know, whatever crypto organization you have out there, they just see crypto, right? It's all one big thing to them. And maybe they are a little bit more familiar with one company over another, but to them, it's all one big thing. So when you're operating from the industry side, um, you know, we're being perceived as one voice, um, even if we're like multiple voices, right? And so Mm -hmm. it's, it's important like the, in an ideal world, we would all be on the same strategy, working towards the same goals, because you know lawmakers are going to be looking at us. And what happens sometimes is, if there are divergence, policymakers will go with the easier position or the more you know uh, cumbersome position from an industry position, you know, perspective, right? Like they'll they'll start kind of picking and choosing, and then they'll think they have the whole industry sign off on something, even if it's just like one company. So it's actually really damaging mm. to have like inconsistent messages from an industry perspective. So my first thing would be, you know, realize that you have to be in, you know, in touch with what the rest of the industry is doing. Um, you know, there's a lot of ways to engage um, as a company. Um, one would be to join a trade association. Um, that's that's the easiest, like cheapest way to get involved. So I would say, please come join Blockchain Association. We'd we'd love to love to work with you if you're a company in this space. Um, but you know, you can do many steps beyond that, right? Uh, most most established industries that, particularly the larger companies, have teams of people in Washington that work on these issues. And they work with trade associations, but they also work independently to maybe advance some specific part of their agenda or work on building relationships that are, you know, relevant to the footprint of their company. Um, and, um, you know, there, there's just additional bodies, additional people that are working in this space. Um, I also think executives at companies, I do think generally political giving is a good thing. Um, Maybe not at the level Sam was doing, like that was so crazy that it doesn't look um, appropriate. But I think if, if you're an executive and you do, you know, donate to your local congressmen and your local senators and you get to know them and build a relationship with them and tell them what you're building, that that's actually helpful in the policymaking process, not because it's, like bribery, right? You're not going to get somebody's vote for a $5,000 donation, but it's a relationship building opportunity. And that's, that's why that's important. Um, I do think though, individuals can play a really um, powerful role as well. I think one of our, our special tools that we have as an industry and a broader community is our voice on Twitter. I, I don't, 
talk to any other industry trade association heads that have a Twitter community as well. And I think I've been really <laughs> pleased with the way that, um, you know, when properly informed, the, the crypto industry uh, and, and broader community will call members of Congress, they'll send emails, they'll tweet at them. All of this is, um, you know, really impactful, particularly when there's key moments where there's a vote or, um, you know, there's, um, you know, some sort of action that we need policymakers to take. So um, I think there's a lot of ways to get involved, but I think, you know, the most important is to pay attention to what's going on. Um, you know, right now is a relatively quiet time. It's not quiet in New Jersey. I would, you know, think about if you're in New Jersey <laughs> calling your local, your um, ah, local legislators. Um, yeah. but, um, but, you know, Washington right now is kind of in a regroup. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Um, you know, they've got, you know, getting themselves organized for the year. I think we have our first hearing in the Digital Assets Subcommittee, you know, coming up in March. And, um, you know, it's going to start to get busy pretty quickly. But, um, you know, stay informed. And, you know, when you have the resources, support organizations on the ground. Um, and, you know, maybe even think about hiring your own team. Man, I really liked uh, hearing you say that crypto Twitter has actually been helpful. Because, <laughs> yeah, I know. You know Believe it or not, Sam, it has. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, and, and, you know, when it comes to Sam and Twitter lately, he has not helped himself by continuing to, to tweet through it. And then, you know, you've got some voices like CZ, uh, you know, at the start of the year said, from now on, whenever I just tweet the number four, it means FUD is coming. So he tweeted four and there's sort of those voices. But then on the other hand, uh, there are the kind of reasoned, the Twitter thread, you know, as soon as you see the spool emoji, there's the Jake Travinsky's. Um, yeah. Just for fun, Kristen, I mean, who, who do you think is kind of actually helping the cause with their tweets? Yeah, I mean, I, I like Where's to think Jake is helping because he works at the Blockchain Association, but you'd be you'd be surprised. <laughs> I get I've gotten calls from you know like very high up officials that said we saw this tweet thread and, <laughs> and we're like what? But the point is that means they're listening and they're paying attention. So um, um, no, so um, yeah, obviously I think very very highly of of Jake's tweets. Um, I do think. Um, that any of the major CEOs out there, whether it be, you know, Jesse Powell or Brian Armstrong, people follow them um, and they're seeing what they, what they write. Um, I think that, um, you know, I have a few favorites that I better not say publicly because um, I'm supposed to be a diplomatic <laughs> voice, but I think that, um, I think that people, it's, it's shocking to me, you know, as somebody who started, you know, you know, I worked on the Hill for 10 years and then I was, you know, a shoe leather lobbyist. I spent day to day on the Hill going around, having meetings 20 minutes at a time. Like what's really interesting and in some ways kind of powerful to me is that we can have a conversation at Blockchain Association and we're like, all right, 
we've, we have a thoughtful position. We want the world to understand what's wrong. Like we did this with the DCCPA, right? We said, this bill's bad. Mm-hmm. The committee's marking it up. We um, talked to the committee for months and tried to explain to them what was going on. And we said, okay, well, we need to let the public know what's going on now. And when Jake does a 21 thread, uh, 21 tweet thread that lays out five or six concerns that we have, you know, the number of impressions on that is absolutely insane. But the number of people on Capitol Hill who see that and like digest that is like remarkable and just the speed at which we can share information. Obviously we can't do, you know, this on a daily basis, but, but Capitol Hill is watching and they're all of the staffers and members who care about crypto policy are following um, all of the leaders in the community. It's, it's really quite Mm -hmm. remarkable. So my message to those in crypto is do be careful what you tweet, be respectful. It's being read by a wider audience than, than you'd anticipate. And you have the potential to spur on positive change, which is good. Yeah. If you're not just yeah. calling everybody but, but they also, I yeah. mean, listen, there's there's downsides too, right? Like if you attack people, uh, you know, they see that, right? And um, every once right. in a while you'll have a champion or something that feels like they were attacked. And then, you know, we have to go like apologize and, you know, on behalf of somebody that we're not even related to. But but yeah, it's um, it's a really, really powerful tool. It's, it's I don't know, but maybe they're all moving to Mastodon or something now. So maybe this maybe we uh, won't have that this year. Yeah, don't don't get me started on the the faux <laughs> you know exodus from Twitter because everyone's still here. I mean, sorry, it's still it's still Twitter, and then there's everything else, especially for crypto. Yeah. Um, it's interesting that you mentioned Jesse and Brian. It's a good segue because you brought up the difficulty sometimes for for what you're doing is we're not all on the same page, and different people are trying to push different things. Is is one kind of key example of that kind of C five versus DeFi? I mean, you know, you mentioned two centralized exchanges. Yet another misconception I'm sure you've had to battle is, you know, no, the collapse of FTX is not going to mean no one's going to use centralized exchanges anymore. I've told a lot of people, like for most regular folks, the folks that used to be called normies, right? Stacey, we're getting away from that, but yes. they are probably still going to trust a Coinbase or a, well, maybe in the past I would have said a a Gemini, but maybe not now. Um, but, you know, is, is, is that one of the key, you know, infighting is centralized exchanges and companies and what they're pushing for. And they're probably also much more open to playing ball with regulators versus these DeFi protocols that it seems to me many of them are just hoping that regulation will kind of go away. Yeah, no, like I, I, I think, listen, I think historically it has been really hard to get the centralized exchanges in a room together to come up with a coherent plan. Um, that has been a, a problem for years. I think over time, like if you look in the US, you I mean, I haven't looked at the numbers recently, but you know, you've got Coinbase is a strong number one, Kraken is number two, and that's what, 80% of the market. So um, mm-hmm. um, you know, I think Binance is what a distance third, FTX is in bankruptcy, Gemini is like being sued by the SEC. So, you know, you, you, the, the list is, is actually pretty short. And I, I think that, um, you know, Coinbase and Kraken are, are similarly like aligned in, in their approaches in Washington, just based off of my experience, um, working with them both. Um, they may have internal strategies that I'm, I'm not privy to, but, um, but no, it's interesting. Cause I think DeFi, the, the biggest fight I've seen is probably DeFi having, debates and conversations with one another. Um, and I think that, 
you know, there are some in the space that that believe that regulation of, of DeFi in some shape or form is, is inevitable and that we should get ahead of it by bringing ideas to the table. There's sort of another camp that thinks, um, you know, it's sort of a fight for the death and we can't have any regulation. Um, I think the answer is probably somewhere in the middle. I think, um, you know, my position right now is that uh, you know, we need time to figure this out, sort of like Europe did. Like we haven't studied this. I think this was this was one of the issues we had with the DCCPA, is that it really took a you know was going to register to regulate DeFi exactly the same as as CFI, which doesn't make any sense. Um, and uh, you know, we were trying to get those issues separated because it's trying to regulate apples and oranges with the same structure, and they're just totally different things. And so, um, I think that it's a much more nuanced debate than we've been having. Um, you know, there hasn't been a single hearing in Congress that's focused on DeFi. Um, we do expect a, a report on DeFi, um, you know, at some point this year that was that was part of the executive order process, but that hasn't been released. Um, CFTC hasn't done anything on DeFi. I'm, I'm not going to hold know, my breath for, for for that being very interesting. <laughs> yeah, but in, but you know, DeFi is just it's just a different. They have a different set of issues and a different set of risks, and um, you know, I think the community is is working to figure out how to describe those. And, you know, we've had a lot of conversations with the DeFi Education Fund, with our DeFi members. Um, but yeah, there's no clear answer as to what, if anything, um, you know, needs to be done there. But I think that the challenge that we're going to face is, like we saw this past fall, is making sure that, you know, CFI and DeFi aren't lumped together um, and treated the same way, because that will serve as a de facto ban on DeFi. And I, I don't think that's what any of us in the community want, but it shouldn't be in the best interest of the United States to do that either. We wound up talking to the DeFi Education Fund at Mainnet last year, and they were telling us that, you know, they the way they saw it, at least, is that DeFi had just gotten to the point where, you know, people in D.C. were were just saying the word DeFi or acknowledging that they exist and that, you know, you know, crypto is not a panacea. It's not all one thing. And within it, you've got DeFi. So I, I'm curious to know your your thoughts on that. Do you think you know, it, it, DeFi is only just now kind of entering. It sounds like we're only just getting ready to get like a report on it. But, you know, among the people, not just the report writers, but also the people who can actually craft legislation and try to make sure we're treating DeFi thoughtfully and whatever might be introduced. Do you think there's still, you know, I guess a bit of a, a crowd of people who who care about it and understand it or are at least curious? Yeah, there's it's it's a pretty small group that I think understand it and maybe a slightly larger group that are um, curious about it. I think then there's this like other group that thinks like Celsius is DeFi and you're like, ah, like, are we, like what are we doing here? Um, so, <laughs> yeah. um, so no, I think there's a tremendous amount of work that needs to be done. I think um, education on that front is the most important. Um, I mean, I, you know, I, mean, I guess you can argue Bitcoin was the original DeFi. In, in my mind, DeFi has only been around maybe like four and a half years, like maybe less. Um, it's not really anything that's fully developed. To come up with a regulatory framework when in such a nascent stage makes like zero sense to me. Like I really think we need to figure out what this becomes and figure out what the risks are and then regulate to those risks. Um, this is not 
um, something that I think a lot of consumers are utilizing on a day-to-day basis. You know, I think this is something that you have to just be a pretty sophisticated user to play around with it. So I think there's a really strong case to be made that, that we need to let this play out a little bit and, you know, make sure there's some there there and that this is, um, I mean, I think there will be, but, you know, we need to make sure that um, we understand what we're regulating and, um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's a, there's a ton of work. Yeah. We work very closely with, with Miller White House Levine at the DeFi Education Fund and his team, and they have a lot of, um, a lot of work to do, but we, we work with them and kind of coordinate our education strategy. And, um, but yeah, there's, there's, you know, I've been in a lot of meetings with the DeFi community. There's, there's a lot of discussions that need to be had and, Right now, that that's something that hopefully we can continue to have as an ecosystem first, and and it's it's not ready to talk to policymakers about the next steps on that front. Now, that being said, you'll get a few people that are wanting to show they're cool and like want to like be you know the guy who does DeFi or the girl who does like you know a DeFi <laughs> proposal, and it's like no, no, like not yet. Like let's just let's just learn about it first. Yeah, it, when you say it's a pretty small group that understands DeFi. Um, it, it reminds me, you know, one thing that is endlessly fascinating to us is the totally nonpartisan lineup of people that are pro crypto in DC. Like, I don't know if, you know, people would assume it would take a certain type, like a certain type of crazy, you know, to be like pro Bitcoin, <laughs> but it's, it's not, it's just been, I mean, in some cases it's, you know, GOP people. And in some cases it's young Dems and it, you know, maybe some of the yeah. most virulent Critics are obvious, but the the advocates have been less obvious. I mean, last week at the end of the week, we covered the news that um, Ted Cruz was pushing to be able to pay in Bitcoin uh, at DC vendors, like in the Capitol building, which is just kind of random, but (laughs) hey, you know, and then you've got Cynthia Lummis, and then you've got um, some more progressive young Dems. Like, it kind of just seems to be um, hard to predict who will be uh, an advocate for crypto any kind of thoughts on that or like have you yeah i mean i how do you I indoctrinate you folks <laughs> yeah no that, i think that's great to have such like a diverse like range of elected officials across the political spectrum that have interest i i think ultimately that's going to serve us very well because you know at some point there will be legislation passed particularly around centralized exchanges and probably on stable coins and you know maybe someday around defi i don't you know i think there will be um uh you know there will be new policy passed at some point and the policies that last and stay are those that are made in a bipartisan manner. If you have, you know, one administration that comes in and does something, you know, super extreme, then when there's a shift of balance of power, the other side comes in and undoes it. And you're operating in this like certainty, uncertainty for a really long time. I think what's, what's great about crypto is when we finally, you know, get those bills done, I think they're going to be you know, something that is lasting and stays for a while and something that we'll have looked at it from all perspectives inside. So, so I think that's a good thing. Um, you know, I worry a little bit that what happened with FTX um, may end up making crypto a little bit more of a Republican issue, at least in the short term. And the only reason for that is that the current administration is Democratic. So like we saw last week, the White there were some senior officials at the White House that put out this statement about, 
you know, crypto and that, you know, we need Congress needs to step up and regulate it. And it's kind of like, you know, that kind of makes it sound like, you know, Democrats aren't doing their job. Well, if you remember back in the Trump administration, you know, if, if FTX had happened during the Trump administration, he'd be saying the same thing. Right. And then it may might seem that it's more of a Democratic issue. So I think the, the fact that the administration weighing in um, can sometimes sort of tip the scale one way or another. But when you look at Congress, it, I think it's strongly bipartisan. We've got bipartisan champions. We also have bipartisan enemies. So I think that that, um, you know, as long as the ball is in Congress's court, you know, ultimately we will get good policy because because of the bipartisan nature. I wanted to ask about the bipartisan spending bill from 2021. Is that how far back we're going (laughs) to invoke that? Um, And the. The regulatory piece there that I'm interested in, at least as it pertains to crypto, is that the whole thing around the the brokers and the yeah. definition of brokers and who actually has to collect information and, you know, collecting tax from crypto industry. Um, have you heard any chatter about that? So basically to catch everyone up, that passed. It's just we don't know how that's actually going to be implemented yet. That passed, at least as far as, you know, with all the language intact that people were trying to intervene and say should change and we have to, we can't let this definition go. It went, but we still don't know what's going to happen with that yet. So I'm curious to know if you think we're going to get clarity on that anytime soon. Yeah, we do expect the IRS to take this up this year. They, they announced in December that, um, you know, any any implementation of that provision would be, you know, delayed another year. Uh, really, this, this is something that's a, a super complex topic. This was something that IRS has been looking at for years. Um, and I think that they're going to have to do an open rulemaking and they're going to have to announce that to the public. They're going to have to present their proposal and then the public is going to give feedback. So there's going to be, I think, a fairly, um, you know, uh, uh, rigid um, or, you know, precise sort of process where, you know, everyone will have a few days, you know, a certain number of days to comment, maybe they will reissue it. Um, but there there will be a process around that. And I think the key, um, you know, kind of like what we were talking about with DeFi, DeFi before is, you know, the IRS has some flexibility how they interpret it. Congress has put a lot of uh, send a lot of signals to IRS how they want them to interpret it. And so we need to make sure that they're focused on, you know, centralized exchanges um, and, you know, other platforms that actually have customers where, where they're holding custody of, of their of their information. Um, you know, our hope is that they focus on that because it's obviously going to be very difficult if they start making, you know, miners and validators and software providers and others who help with the operation operational issues of a transaction, but no one ever actually take control of customer funds, it will be impossible for them to react so or to, to comply. And so I do think the IRS are, you know, they can be reasonable people. Is that going to get me in trouble for saying that? Um, but they, um, you know, there will be a process uh, to go back and forth. But the ball right now is is really in the IRS's court. They need to kick that process off and give people something to react to. And so we're going to be watching for that very closely. And, you know, obviously we'll, you know, work with, you know, with the Blockchain Association. That's probably our biggest um, regulatory item um, for the for the year. Kristen, as we start to wrap up, uh, we always like to try and have a little more fun. And, you know, because you're always in DC, you probably have to be so buttoned up and, uh, you know, you're kind of going through the talking points often or, um, so, so one idea I had is, you know, we've, 
we've already, uh, the name Elizabeth Warren has come up, you know, quite a few times in this interview already and often does because uh, she just seems so opposed to everything in crypto. Uh, you know, famously, there was a time she said that um, it seems like the people in, in crypto are shadowy super coders, just like in a, in a basic sense for getting the law and the regulation side of things. I mean, what would, what would be your pitch to her or anyone who thinks of themselves as like a crypto skeptic on why they're wrong? I mean, why should they give crypto a second look? What do you, what would you tell even just a friend? He says, eh, it seems to me, we all have friends like this. They say, <laughs> seems to me like it's all a, a, just a casino or like. Yeah. Know. Yeah. I mean, what I like to do is actually take the conversation away from crypto and, um, I don't know. I think I may have heard this originally on like an A16Z podcast or something, but, you know, talking about these sort of the, the cycles of computing and the new, uh, you know, every 15 or 20 years, there's some new massive development that changes the world. And in the beginning, it doesn't seem immediately obvious, but, um, you know, after a couple of years and after the kinks are worked out and, and you develop upon on it, it's it's um, really powerful. And, and so sometimes I tell the story. I remember being a, a really young staffer and there was a lobbyist that showed up with his flip phone and he opened it up and there was this little tiny flip phone screen. And he's like, look, I'm watching TV on my phone. And I thought to myself, who the heck would ever sit and want to watch TV on that little tiny phone? And the answer is because it's not going to be like that forever. The answer is it's going to evolve and it's going to become a touchscreen and it's going to have a great battery life and you're going to be able to watch anything on demand at any time. And so I, I just always, you know, sort of remind policymakers that that digital ownership is like a really powerful thing and that if we can, you know, give it time for the kinks to get worked out, there's going to be a lot of things built that we can't imagine today. So I try to go that route sometimes with people to maybe get them rethinking of it from another angle. But, um, but yeah, it's challenging. I'm always, always open to better ideas. <laughs> people reoriented and it's a kind of a process of trial and error. Sometimes it doesn't always work. <laughs> Very nice. Um, I remember thinking when I first was learning about Twitter, I think that I think this happened when I was still in J school. <laughs> um, but I remember everyone was kind of like writing it off and thinking like, why do we have to learn about this? People are just writing about what they're having for lunch. This is yeah. this doesn't matter. Why do we have to take this seriously as journalists? And so 100%. That's what people say. Yeah. I don't want to know whatever I ate for lunch. And I would say, no, it's more than that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think, yeah. No, I think private property rights on the internet, it's going to be huge. It's just maybe not there yet. So. Yeah. Do you find that you guys get contacted by, I guess, people who are skeptics and are kind of like, I'm thinking about that yeah. meme where like, it basically says like, you know, crypto is a scam, prove me wrong. And the guy's just kind of sitting back waiting. Like, do you basically <laughs> hear from, from people who are like, look, I thought it was not something worth taking seriously thus far prove me wrong yeah no we have a phenomenal um government relations team within the blockchain association so we have dave grimaldi who is our democrat and ron hammond who's our republican um, and we have some outside consultants as well and you know a lot of their job is you know to gather information and to understand the process and and whatnot but but, you know, a lot of what they do is is they know people and people know them and they are, are present at events like, you know, they they know who to call. Like if, if you're someone on the Hill and you want to mm -hmm. talk to crypto industry, they know to call Blockchain Association. You know, we, we have a really good presence. We do a lot of events up there. We have 
email blasts that go out to the Hill, um, you know, they, they know who to reach out to. And so, yeah, we do, uh, we do get outreach every now and then. Um, and, um, not always like some people are just going to, you know, some skeptics are going to do what they're going to do and they don't want industry input, but, um, there are some that will give us courtesy of a heads up or, um, they'll actually ask us some, some questions. And so, um, so yeah, we, we, you know, our priority is to always be responsive to anyone reaching, reaching out to us. Um, and, um, you know, we, we try to make things better, but there are some, sometimes there are members of Congress that have their own vision and they can't be talked out of it. And, you know, they sort of go their own way, but, um, but we, we do try to be there and we, we, we do try to work with them, um, when the opportunity arises. Yeah. Um, well, here's hoping that you have luck with, you know, the next batch of skeptics that 2023 brings your way. Um, here, thank here. you so much for coming on the pod. I really appreciate it. It was a good conversation. Yeah. Yeah. Well, hopefully, um, when we do this again in, you know, six months or a year from now, uh, I'll be able to tell you about all the progress we've made and that we no longer have to clean up the mess in Washington. It's all, all clean and we're back on track. Uh, just need a little time. Fighting the good fight. Thanks, Kristen. Yep. That's our show today. Thanks for listening. GM is a Decrypt podcast co-hosted by Matthew Deemer, me, Dan Roberts, Stacey Elliott, Stephen Graves, Andrew Hayward, and Kate Irwin, and produced by Zach Edelman. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple or Spotify or wherever you podcast. And as always, you can get more info on our website, including video with our interview guests. Head to Decrypt.co. GM. GM.